You're listening to Sustainable Photography. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, and this episode is about avoiding burnout. Maybe you've experienced it or gotten close to it. I've had times where I've worked way too much and traveled way too much, and that just wasn't sustainable at all. Recognizing what the cause is and making shifts is so important to thrive and to have a lasting business. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, a podcast all about business tips, inspiration, and confidence building. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, the host of this podcast, and after over a decade as a photographer, I now help talented photographers run sustainable businesses. And for full transparency, you should know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I will probably mention some of those in this episode. I'm chatting with Kelly McWilliams about how to implement intentional rest in your business and avoiding burnout. She shares how she suffered from burnout twice in her career and how she broke through and found her way to intentional rest. Kelly explains how she sets up her week and years to give herself and her mind a break. That way she can be the best version of herself for her clients and her family and of course for herself. Callie's been producing destination weddings, social events, and celebrations ever since 2002. She was also recognized in 2020 as a top planner by Martha Stewart Weddings, and she's also the host of This Versus That, all about wedding planning decisions. Hi, Callie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, good morning. Welcome to me. Welcome to you to a good day. I'm excited. Thank you for asking me to be on the show. Oh, yeah. I heard a talk you did about burnout, about self-care, about resting, about kind of planning and setting boundaries and all that. And I was like, that is a talk I know photographers need to hear. So why don't we just start with who you are and how you ended up as a wedding planner and a podcast host as well. Okay, great. Yeah, I can do that. I'll go quickly through my far background just so that you can see like what led me to this place. I started out as an actress many years ago. I'm 47 years old and I've led a lot of careers, but I was not good at that one, (laughs) but I kept trying. And that led me from growing up in Florida here in the United States to moving to New York City for a couple of years and then LA for a year. And then I came back to Florida because I was like, I hate LA. I want to go back to New York City. So I went back to Florida just to save some money so I can move back to New York City. But I met my husband, whose name is also Kelly, by the way. And so then I was like, okay, I met my husband. I'm not moving back to New York. Obviously we're staying here in Florida. So I was like, "Ah, I'm not even good at acting. So I'll try something new. So I went into hospitality. When we came down here, we live in a region that does a lot of destination weddings. We have barrier islands. It's very tropical. So I went to work at a resort, but I was working in accounting. So that's where I started school there. I went to school for accounting didn't enjoy it. So I switched to small business administration, which now I'm so glad for, but I stayed in the accounting world as far as my jobs went. When I got to, let's say my third job in different locations, someone said to me, because I kept wandering over to the marketing department and saying, Hey, can I help you guys plan this corporate event? It looks like so much fun. Oh, the marketing looks like so much fun. Did a couple of corporate events. And someone said to me, Kelly, why aren't you doing this for a living? And I'm not kidding you. My answer was, they have jobs for that. I didn't even know. (laughs) I had no idea. 
So I'm not kidding. I went and I Googled it. Mind you, this was 22 years ago. So I looked it up. I found a friend who I've worked with at that company and said, hey, let's open a planning company. And so we did. We both were like, let's chip in $75 each and see where it can go. Within about six months, she was done with it. And I was like, no, I think I really want to do this. Unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of clients coming in. So I wasn't making a substantial amount of money. People kept asking me about weddings. To be honest with you, I hated planning my own wedding. I thought it was horrible. I didn't have a wedding planner. I didn't even know wedding planners really existed at that time. This was 25 years ago. And so when I wasn't making any money getting events, I said, okay, fine, I'll do a wedding thinking at least I'll make some money off of this. Did one wedding and I was in love, just like most of us are. But I had two clients then. (laughs) So I didn't realize what it was going to be when I had 20. This was back in the day where all you had to do was put put your name on the knot, paid like $50 a month or something. It was so inexpensive to do. And your calendar just filled up. It was really easy back then. So I got thrown into the fire, so to say. Company took off. Uh, I just changed the name from Socialites Events to Weddings by Socialites at that time. After I was established after a few years, I dropped that name altogether and went to Kelly McWilliams because everyone just kept calling me Kelly. So it made the most sense brand-wise. And so I've been that name ever since. So now I am 22 years in. I do mostly destination weddings, but here locally to me, maybe once every 18 months, I'll do something internationally, Mexico or Nevis or Dominican Republic, places not too far, but... I enjoy them, but not as often as I enjoy just being here. Married, two kids, they're both adults and two dogs. So that's me in a nutshell. And now I have another wedding planner who works under me. I have a full-time VA, meaning most VAs work for most people 10 to 15 hours a week. So I have her. And then we have day of coordinators to come to the weddings with Nicholas and I, who is my planner. So that about wraps it up, I think. Oh, cool. So you have a lot of experience. You've been doing this for some time. And hopefully you can also give a good answer to what a sustainable business looks like to you in your experience. Yeah. So sustainable, I love that word because it just means that it's going to continue to happen. And I think that's a really optimistic way of looking at that. I think with that comes that You're working hard the whole time and continually evolving, which I think is absolutely necessary, but evolving in a way that feels good to you and is changing at the right times. What is right for me now was not right for me even five years ago. And I think that as long as you keep evolving, your business will sustain itself. But when you first start your business, you're kind of in that hustle mentality and it's almost needed. It's almost required, but I think there are some things, definitely boundaries that you can put in place to make sure that you get to the next step and that you're not just in it to win it and thinking you always have to be getting bigger, better, bigger, bigger, bigger. That's not always the case. It is about evolving though. So I think that's probably where I would say as far as sustainability goes, is that continuously trying to evolve so that you you resonate with both your clients and your vendor partners, that you're staying educated, that you're putting the work in that is needed to be put in to your business, both with your client work and your business work. 
and, you know, marketing and things like that. There's so much that's involved here. But I think another thing is that a lot of people in our industry come in with great creative awareness and don't realize how much they're buying into a business. You almost have to look at it like you're a business first in a creative second, which is not why any of us went into this. I mean, very few. (laughs) Yeah, I would say hardly any. Yeah, no one realizes in the beginning. I am so grateful now that I did take those years taking small business administration. So that really was helpful to me to build that foundation onto my business. Had I not, it would have been more difficult. 100% would have been so much more difficult. But I was fortunate in that since I know that not everyone has that that luck that they came with accounting already in their background or small business education. So I realized it's not going to be the same for everyone. And that's not typically the case with most of us in the wedding industry. Yeah, it's not really how it is for photographers because most of us start because it's a hobby. It's something we do because we enjoy it. We like it. And then suddenly it's like, maybe I could do this as a work. And then you kind of try it and then you start making money and you think you may be making a lot of money. And then in reality, you're not because you don't know how to think about it. With your accounting background, I'm sure that was easier for you. But for most of us, it's like, oh, I just got paid $1,000. I can't believe I got paid that much. And then you don't really know that your expenses are twice that. and that Exactly. But you know, and let's look at it from both sides, both perspectives. It's phenomenal that we go into, how lucky are we that we are going into a business because we love it versus we're going into a business to make money. Because I think if that was the case, most of us, once we figured out that we weren't making money and we worked as hard as we do, we would just run for the hills which I think is what happens to so many people. I find it a fortune and great that we all come to this for pretty much the same reason. I hate to say that we have a passion for it, but we do love what we do. And if you did, we wouldn't be sustainable. (laughs) No, that's true. Um, I often talk about on the podcast that we have to start thinking about what makes sense in our business and not just do the thing that we think is fun because that's not how you run a business. I mean, you can do the fun thing on your time off or when you want to and there's time for it and it's not kind of taking away from your business but you have to think about your business first if you want to make it if you want it to sustain your life and all that because I feel like I'm such a killjoy when I say this because I'm the one saying that like stop doing the fun thing and do the thing that makes you money but no one thinks about it like that they just want to do the the fun thing and I feel like someone has to say, no, think about your profit. Make sure that you're making money and say no to the things that isn't really serving you. It is so true. It is so true. And I think that if you put the effort in to do the things that you are making money, it's going to allow for the time for you to do the things that actually do exactly bring you back to like just being happy. The better you are at business, we're going to go so in depth in this the more creative and more time for creativity you're going to have. When I made these adjustments, that's when my world exploded. I got better at absolutely everything because of that. So lean into really building a great business, even though that part is not fun, because you will see almost immediately the side effects of that are phenomenal. What you're actually looking for in your life. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. 
Yeah, no, I agree so much. It's nice to hear someone else say it as well, because I just don't think it can be said enough. You need to make money in your business and then the rest will come. And you shouldn't feel bad about making money because we all need money. No, no, that's absolutely not. I completely agree with you. Money, if we're doing this not as a hobby, it has to be the first thing. And I will admit, I went so long without even having a bookkeeper. And again, I kept saying, oh, it's because I've got this accounting background. I can do it all myself. But let me tell you something. As soon as I had enough money, what I thought was coming in to have a bookkeeper, I had to let that go and be like, okay, I'm going to take some of this money, even though I would like to keep it for myself. I'm going to put it to someone who really knows how to manage it so that I can find more time to do things that I love. And in return, because I'm able to do those things, I'm able to make more money. Exactly. So it's paying for itself. So there's just so much. It allows doing things like that, delegating and outsourcing things allows you to be better at your job, to do more things. And in return, you're going to make more money. It's going to pay for those things in the end. Boy, did I learn that so much in the last couple of years. Yeah. Do you think it's because you tried to do too much yourself? Do you think that's what led to you having or reaching burnout? No, I think with that kind of thing, it was more like a realization that I was better at some things than others. And I learned it when I went to actually a, a conference, Sage conference, where it was none of the fluff. It was all about wedding business. And they had us write down the things that we love about our work and the things that we didn't love about our work and the things that we were really good at what we did and the things that we were not so good at. And once you took all those columns, then it was like, okay, what parts of these should I be giving away? And this is how almost everyone that teaches those kinds of things leads you into it. And boy, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, this is my roadmap and this is going to help me. It took me a year and a half to get all of that figured out. Like it was not a quick thing. It wasn't like go hire a VA, get a bookkeeper, do this, do that. It was steps. It took steps to make all of that happen. And one of the things that was the most helpful to me that I did start immediately was this calendaring, which is what we're going to talk about today. And once I got that in place, then it was easy for me to move on to some of those other things on my list to do. But I can say to your listeners, that's one of the best things that you can do is make those lists of what you like about your job, what you don't like about your job, what you're best at and what you're the worst at (laughs) so that you can go down those columns and figure out what you can source out or what you might need to get help with and then move on from there. I agree. And usually when you make those lists, you'll find that there's a lot of things that you do that you actually not that you don't need to do and no one else needs to do them either. You can just stop doing them. Stop doing them. Absolutely. It was like when I realized Facebook is not helping me like at all. Like why? You can do the same thing with your bills. Seriously, do it, don't do it on the computer. Write it down with pen and paper and list all of the things that you're paying for. Do I really, do I even use that app? No, let's get rid of that. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I have an extra $200 a month. I'm going to get more hours than my VA with that. And then I have more time to go the style, do the styled shoes that I love to do. Voila, just something like that, as simple as that. I mean, I say it's simple, but it really is about sitting down for an hour and getting it done. It really is that simple. I agree. And it's also about priorities. 
both when it comes to the things that you like and you're good at, but also when it comes to your expenses, because especially for photographers, it's easier to spend money on equipment or on like props or that kind of stuff, the fun stuff, than the things that are actually going to help you in your business or that are going to free up your time. So I think it's important to note that it's your choice. We don't have to do the things just because everyone else does them. So, right. Looking at your competition or other people on social media, I don't find that that really helps at all. If anything, it brings you down. It puts you in a mode of, I should be doing more. I should be doing it this way. I have always been the person that was going to do it my way. Always since day one. And, and it may be the generation, like generation X, like it maybe that's how we were built or that we didn't have the internet in front of us when we were kids. And I know that that's not the case now. And even I have found times where I found myself pulled into those situations, especially with social media and how much is available to us that I had to like turn it off. I had to mute people that I love, but I was just, Oh, should I be in doubting and no, do what you do and do it the best way you know how and do the things that you love, you know, go for the weddings that you love, the clients that you love. And yes, in the beginning, I know you will have to take almost all of them. That's how you get started. That's how you learn. But as you grow, you're going to see what you're really drawn and pulled to. So yeah. How long ago was it that you went through burnout the first time? So the first time I think was 2017. And I was still at a point where I was not saying no to anyone yet because it was, oh, I would love that money. Or I really want to do a wedding at this place, you know, that kind of thing, which we all do. I mean, we all do it. And I had too many weddings on the books and wasn't looking at it that way. And I was looking at it more like on a calendar. I was like, oh, there's room here. I can do it. Not thinking about all the work that has to be done on top of just that day there. For you guys, as photographers, yeah, you're going to spend 8, 10, 12 hours at a wedding. But how many hours of editing is that on top of it? Can you do all of that from a four wedding weekend? No, (laughs) not without giving something else up. So I think it was 2017, we had a hurricane here and everything came crashing. I had to move so many weddings. Some of the venues got destroyed that I work at. And then my father was hit by a falling tree. He got rushed to a hospital. Everything just went wrong. So I had way too many weddings. My father was in the hospital. I didn't know how to get everything covered. And then I was under the stress of moving weddings for a hurricane. I had never been through anything like that before. So it was new to me. And I was just so stressed out. No rest. I was working probably, and I'm not joking, 18 to 20 hours a day for weeks and weeks on end. And I was, I just have to get it done. This is my job. It's all my responsibility. I have to get it done. And when you go through burnout, you're exhausted. You're not thinking well. You're not on your feet. You're not being creative. It's just like punching a ticket and you get sick. I mean, your body feels it. Your mind feels it. Everything slows down. You feel sad and anxious. You just want a pill to fix it but you know a pill is not going to fix it. And that, like, of course, if you need to go to see a doctor, speak to a therapist, get Xanax, whatever, 100%, those things can definitely help. However, when it comes down to it, rest is really what you need. Getting rid of some of those stresses. So that was the first time I got it. And I knew I had gone through it 
afterwards, but I didn't realize it in the moment. And that went on for, I would say it was probably a solid month that I was really in burnout. The second time it happened was 2019. And I was still in that mindset of work as much as I possibly can, do as much as I can, be as good as I can be. I was overloaded, not with so many weddings, but just like trying to make my business better. And I was doing the same thing. I just had so much that I wanted to do and was doing. And I was exhausted. And remember I was talking about when I went to the conference and making all the lists and I had gone to, like I was taking workshops and going to conferences and doing all the work and um, trying to elevate my business. I was trying to get to the next level is what I was doing. And I went to that conference and they had us do that exercise. And I started bawling in the middle of the conference. There's only 50 people in this room. And I start sobbing. I mean, ugly sobbing, like the worst kind, nose running. <laughs> and I said, I threw my hands up. I said, I hate my job. Look at this, you guys. I hate my job. Like I showed everyone the list with all the circles of things I hated and that I wasn't good at. And there were so few things. And it was in that moment that I was like, I have to make a change. And instantly I knew, I was like, okay. At that same conference, they had someone there who was talking about virtual assistants. And I never even heard of one before. I was like, oh, that sounds lovely. I want one of those. That was one of those things that took me a year to do, but I knew that I needed to do it. At that time, I also realized I needed to take time off where I could breathe. And so I'm one of those kind of logistical people that is first and foremost with me, which is why I was in accounting beforehand. I think that way, but I love my creative. I love that part of it. So I was, okay, I'm going to pull my calendar out. And I know I have this year planned already because of all the weddings. You know, we're in a business where a year is planned out the whole year, a year in advance, because we know when the weddings are going to be. So I decided that I was going to take off three days in a row every month. I can find this. And so I took out my big dry erase calendar and I put it on my kitchen counter. And I found three days in a row for every month that there was nothing sitting on. And I said, I am not going to work on these three days. I'm not going to do it. And I implemented it the next month. I came back and I was, "Mm, that didn't really do anything for me. So I said, I'm going to do it for a week. I'm going to take a week off every single month and I'm not going to have anything to do during that time. No meetings. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to rest. I'm just going to vacation. It wasn't necessarily going to go anywhere or anything. After that, then the second month I took a week off and by day five, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I have to get back to work. And it wasn't guilt necessarily. It was just, I don't need any more time. Like I feel good. So the next month I did five days. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. So I took my calendar back out and I took, and I made it five, found five days every single month for the next six months. Then I started thinking, how do I do this without my clients figuring it out? I don't want them to know I'm taking time off. I can't do that. But yeah, you can. You absolutely can. <laughs> you can. And you should. <laughs> and you should. So what I did was, I said, okay, I'm going to take five days off in a row. 
the thing that makes the most sense is to make sure there's an, a weekend included where I didn't have a wedding that they already think I work Monday through Friday. They're not going to realize those two days. And so I found five days every month where there wasn't a wedding that I could do it either Thursday through Tuesday or whatever. So five days. And then if something came up on any month or coming up, but someone calls and says they have this wedding that I really want to do, I would take it so long as there was somewhere else in that month that I can move those five days to. I made a rule to myself. I was never going to give those five days up. So I call these days, days without intention. So what that means is I wake up in the morning with nothing planned necessarily. There's no meetings. There's no deadlines. Wake up and do what I want to do. Now, it doesn't mean I won't work because sometimes I want to work. Because remember we were talking about in the beginning, we love our jobs. And so sometimes I'm a wedding planner and I do design. So sometimes I wake up, I want to design that one wedding. I'm going to do that right now. So I'll wake up, sit on my couch and pull the laptop out and design a wedding. But I'm in joy because I don't owe anything to anyone on that day. That's me. And then there's days where I'm like, I'm going to go watch two movies at the movie theater today. And then I'm going to come home. I'm going to open a bottle of wine and watch another one on my couch. So it just allowed me that flexibility. And don't you know, when you go in the car and you forget to turn the radio on or a podcast or something like that, and it's just quiet. And all of a sudden, all these ideas start coming to you. Yep. Happens all the time. (laughs) Yes. They come to me most when I'm in the shower. That's my relaxed phase. And so... Those are the kinds of things that led me to do this. When do I feel best? And when do I get my ideas? It's when I'm absolutely relaxed. So I realized if I could find time every month to be relaxed, things would come. Here's what I didn't realize would come out of this. Because I have these days on my calendar, I always use a blue line on the calendar to do these. I call my blue line days. Everyone in my peripheral world knows this. Those are my days without intention. Like I said, I have no intentions when I wake up in the morning. It's just a lot of times I'll take those days and we'll go do something for two of them, but the other three are just whatever. What I realized was every month as I'm working, I realize two weeks from now, I have five days off, which means I have to get all of this stuff done before I get those five days off. So I found myself being so much more productive and procrastinating so much less because I knew I had that to look forward to. If you can think of it as like, okay, I'm going on a trip to somewhere where there's no internet. If you put that in your mind, like, oh, there's no electricity either. Put yourself in that mindset. If I cannot work at all during those five days, what do I have to do now to make sure I can be without internet, without power? Even if that's not what you're doing, put yourself in that place. Holy cow, I was so much more productive. Oh my gosh, I'm getting so much work done because I have to be off. I have to, that's my rule. I have to be off. So The efficiency that came from it, from just knowing, was my productivity skyrocketed. It was unbelievable. This is the best thing I ever did for myself. Not even thinking about that. I was thinking rest. But I became so much more productive in this. The hardest parts of this were defining how I let everyone know and not having guilt about this. Remember I was saying, like, I don't want my clients to find out. What I realized is, If you lay down those boundaries, you will have no guilt. It goes away. And that was the scariest part. It probably took me three, maybe four months to figure that part of it out. And then once I did, it was easy. So this is where communication comes in and is so important. You have to put those boundaries in from the get-go. They're on all of our onboarding. 
It's in my agreement. It's on my proposal. It's on my signature line. So like if you send me an email right now at the bottom, it says, I'm going to be away from my desk on these dates. And literally there's four months in there where it's got all of the dates in that I won't be at my desk. So every time someone gets an email from us, they know Kelly's not in our office. Don't come here asking for an engagement session. Let's say, do you do destination weddings or do they come to you for destination weddings? I usually work with international clients that come to Norway, but not to where I live. So we both have to travel. Okay. Let's say you have clients who are coming and let's say they're going to come and they want to do engagement portraits with you before their wedding date because they're coming to scout their venues and meet with people and things like that. Well, if you've got on your onboarding that you are going to be out of town for these dates or not out of town away from your desk, and you've got that also on your proposal that you send out that we have regular dates that we're out and they are ever changing. And then you have that on your contract, you know, so they know at that time. And you could put the whole year on there if you've got the whole thing scheduled. And I also put these dates may change, you know, based on like, remember I was saying, sometimes you have to move the five days, whatever, to accommodate for a wedding that you want to take. As long as you don't give up your five days, that's the rule. And then on the email, when I am getting ready, like the day before I take my five days, I go ahead and put my out of office on then, the day before I leave. And here's why. Those last emails that come in that would usually would have been responded to the next day, I'm not there the next day. So it's important that you're giving them one more day fair warning so that that's there. Another thing that I found out was really helpful is that the day that I come back, I change my out of office for one more day. And it says back to desk. People know that I am back in my office today, but I need two days to catch up with what came in over the last five days. I'm going to acknowledge your email by tomorrow. And then I will respond the email with any actions that I need to take by such and such date. So you're being proactive there and your clients will not have any concerns. And they go, like, oh, okay. You know, I love when I get those emails. Okay, I'm cool with that. I can wait. You said I need to wait. I'm going to wait. I was absolutely astonished that every single client followed the boundaries just because it was just pushed in front of them all the time. And just like the dentist is only open Monday through Friday, eight to four. So are you. They don't come in just because. So we deserve that same respect. It's the same kind of thing. But putting those boundaries in place and really communicating them, that's how you make sure that those things happen and that you are not feeling any guilt about doing it. It just goes away. It's amazing. I think that most people will automatically respect that you have boundaries. They'll understand that you need to take time off. It's none of their business how you spend your time anyway. And if you happen to come across someone who won't respect it, they are not the kind of clients you want anyways. I mean, you want to work with people who appreciate that you are a human being and (laughs) that you need to have the time that I mean, it's your life. It's a business. You need to set your business hours. And I think even if you are more unavailable, it can make you more kind of attractive to your clients anyway. Like if you're always there, then you're so easy to just walk all over. Yeah. And one of the things that I found like that was so great is that when I was really, really open about it, at first I was not. Remember what I was saying is like, I don't want them to find out. Now I'm all in. I'll go on to Instagram and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to be out of my office the next five days. I'll still be here. And you're going to see me making my coffee. And sometimes you'll say, like, you'll see me like 
doing work on my couch, I will show that I'm sitting in the chair watching Jeopardy and doing something. But they know I'm off limits, but they love. And I say, I'm so happy about what I'm doing right now. These days allow me to be really good at my job. And I am. I am so much better at my job now because I do this. I'm a day and night person since I implemented this day and night. And just like I was saying, you'll make more money when you put things out, when you source out things and you delegate things because it allows you to be better at your job. And it's going to find you ways to make more revenue in different ways because it's allowing your mind to have the capacity to to think more, to think outside of the box, to think of other things and not just be in your business and making these slight changes. And they really are slight changes when you think about it. Because essentially do take five days off, I would hope. And let me say this, some people, three days will be enough. Some people are going to need seven. Some people like me, like need five. You kind of have to test it out. But what I will say is it's most important that they're consecutive days. You can't do, I'll do two days, at this week and then three days to next. No, no, no. Your mind has to have the time to decompress and then open up for all the creative that's going to flow in. So five days is normal for me. It feels good every single time, but I just came back from like my holiday break. I was like, I'm going to take a whole two and a half weeks off. And I did a lot of work during that time, but it felt good. It felt really good because I didn't have the deadlines, but what I was able to do in the last two and a half weeks I couldn't have gotten done in four months if I hadn't been off. Another thing that it took me a while to do it, probably a year and a half, maybe a year. After I put those five days in a row off, I put in two two two-week vacations during the year. So 10 months, I have five days. And then two months, one in the summer and one in the holidays, I take two weeks off. And that during those times, I'll have some vacation and some just like work on my business. And again, waking up without intention, but... Because you want to strictly doing what I want to do. Some things are like moving the needle. Yeah. It makes a difference when you do it because you want to do it rather than you have that, oh, I have to do that today because... Yes. It's very much a mindset thing. And I know it's like a, a word, <laughs> you know, now that we didn't use a few years ago, but it really is. I hate to say it's all in your head, but it really is all in your head. Here's the crazy thing is that when it's all in your head, it takes over your body too. Like you're going to feel burnout physically as well. And that is not good. That was one of the last pieces that came for me was when I got, I got a treadmill over here to my left. When I implemented that and I started walking every day, I was like, okay, this actually helps you. I get it. I get the whole exercise thing now. So if there's a way for you to get some kind of exercise, just making your body feel better, especially when you're in these zones, your body can really take the heat when it comes to overwhelm. So if there's any way for you to implement that as well, that's great. For me, it's a treadmill and I hop on there every once in a while. I think burnout can often start with that feeling of guilt that you're feeling like, oh, I need to be there for my clients all the time. I often see this, for example, on Instagram, uh, photographers are posting that they're editing. I'll be editing all night because I, I need to finish these within the deadline. Well, first of all, you set the deadline. 
if you can't deliver the images within a reasonable time, you need to extend the deadline, not when it's too late, but you need to do that before you take the clients on. I always say to set deadlines a lot longer than what you think you need. The worst thing that can happen, you'll get sick and your kid gets sick and something else happens and then you get another shoot. And then just if you think you normally would need four weeks, then make it eight. Tell your client eight so that you can still deliver ahead of time if that's possible for you, but you don't have to have that feeling of like, I need to do it now. And a mindset thing I think you can have around that is think about how much better you're serving your clients if you're rested, if you're feeling great. Like instead of your client's images, this is just an example, but instead of your client's images being edited in the middle of the night, like in a haste, how much better is it to tell your clients that, you know, you're showing up with your best self ready to to get to work because you're excited about it instead of you have to and you you just have to kind of pull all-nighters to get it done. Exactly. Having that padding from the get-go, especially under photography and videography, is a really good thing to do. Like a really good thing. I mean, I do it every day. Yesterday, I had a call with someone, a potential client, and I said to them, okay, in my head, I know I can get a proposal done for them in two hours. That's easy for me to do. I promised them 48. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're over delivering almost when you can get it done. But also if something does comes up, you're good. And that pre-communication, when you send the proposal out, put it on there. Typically our weddings, we are able to return your, your edited photos at eight to 12 weeks and make that a really big one because you know they're going to call on the, from the first date, eight, day one, week eight. <laughs> am I going to get my pictures today? So really that week eight, if that's what you're saying, let's say you actually know that you can get it done in five so that you've really got plenty of time built in. Exactly. Yeah. Because that lip impressed them. Yeah, exactly. But I can also tell you as a planner, clients, when they see those numbers, they're like, okay, that must be what it is. They don't know any better in the beginning. You could tell them six months, they would be like, okay, guess this is how long it takes. Or they might even respect you for it because if they see, oh, well, this photographer gives it back in five weeks. I've never really heard anyone say this, but they could look at it like that. But you're able to say, we take longer to make sure you have magnificent edits. And that's why our photos look the way that they do. And we call through and we put an extraordinary amount of time on. If you give an explanation for it from the get-go, so it sounds like it's a good thing that they take longer, fantastic. I know if I have someone come in to do something in my house, if they give me that explanation, my housekeeper's here right now, for example. If she said, oh, I can come and get it done in 45 minutes, I'd be like, that is so wonderful. But if someone else knocks at my door and says, I want to come clean your house, it's going to be the same amount of money, but it's going to take me three hours. I'll be like, oh, like I hide in my office for three hours. But here's what's going to happen and why it takes me three hours to do it. You got it take your three hours because that sounds amazing that you're going to actually do the baseboards, you know? Yeah. It's all in how you frame it. Yes, exactly. Those are the, also the things that will help you like release the guilt of taking the time off. And all of this is, is in our power. I see all the time on contact forms for photographers that it says, you'll get a reply as soon as possible. And it's like, you're setting yourself up to have that anxiety and to feeling like, oh, you need to rush. Um, so that's one of the things you can easily automate. Just like make sure you have an autoresponder on so that they'll get a reply straight away, but you don't actually have to do anything until whatever time frame you've decided. 
it's such a wonderful thing. I love when I get a nice auto response or it says something like, we are really looking forward to you and the opportunity to work with you makes us so happy while we're serving our current clients. Here's some images that you can look at. Here's my Instagram. Here's my podcast. And we look forward to talking to you in the near future or in the next three to five days. You're letting them know when it's going to be, but giving them something to be excited about in the meantime. Totally for that. And I think one of the things when it comes to stuff like that is put yourself in your client's shoes and think of things like my housekeeper and the explanation I gave. They don't know what to expect necessarily. And so you giving them something isn't going to be a downer for them if you're saying it's going to take this much time. It just says, okay, this is the norm. This is what to expect because likely they have not gone through it before. And even if they have, I mean, you're you and you have your business. So they have to just respect your process. And if that's how you do it, then that's what they have to put up with. And if they don't want to do that, then they should probably find someone else because you are in charge of your own business. You have to do things your way. Yes, absolutely. And build a business that you want to build. I think that most people are very respectful so long as you're communicating these things. So, yeah. I definitely think so. I know that you want to do better in your photography business. I want you to do better as well. That's why I created the Sustainable Photography Program, a mentor program that helps you to build your business in the way that makes most sense based on who you are. This is for photographers who are clear on their photography style and skills, but who want to do better in their business. You need this and we'd love to have you. Go to ingvildkolnes.com sustainable. And P.S. This is also available in Norwegian. If someone is going through burnout right now, because we've talked a little bit about how they can avoid it, but what can they do to kind of get over it? So I think, unfortunately, burnout is one of those things where you don't realize until you're really into it. And I hate to say it, but it's like, you've got to work your way through it. I wish there was something else that you could do. But I will say things like this, getting it from your desk, away from your laptop for even 10 minutes and just go for a walk or just go sit outside on a chair and just breathe in some fresh air. Meditation helps a lot of people. For me, I take a dog for a walk for 10 minutes. When I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack, it's just all too overwhelming. Nothing is going to happen in five minutes time. You have to consider that. And five minutes will do you so much. And literally five minutes, take five minutes or one of those 15 minute timers or whatever. Those are great things too. And just go get some fresh air. I love to go get in the shower. That's one of my favorite things to do because then it's like a nice warm space. It's just quiet. Nothing's disturbing you in the shower. You're naked, you got warm water on you. You just, you're in a space that's completely quiet. Five minutes, even if you don't need to be cleaned up, it's just to relax you. Bath might take a little bit longer, but popping in the shower, going outside for a quick walk. But anything, just walk away from what's bringing you to that moment of stress at that time is going to be essential. I also think it helps to just whatever you can do. And I know that typically when you're burnout, you just are doing a lot of work and you've got so much. I've said this many times. It's not that you're overworked, you're underrested. That means really, truly getting more sleep. So I'm not saying necessarily go take a nap. Some people that work for, it's not one of those things that works for me, but setting a real good sleep schedule 
it's going to make a big difference. And I know not a lot of people want to hear and they're like, oh God, not again. But guys, I'm sorry. It really is the truth. It really is the truth. You got to get your sleep. But five minutes every hour, if you can do it. And I'm not saying go like set an alarm to go off once an hour, five minutes. It's when you feel the anxiety, it's time to walk away. And I think that's kind of one of the things that you, you feel when you learn that you're burning out is like you just feel the anxiety and you're going to feel it in your body. You're going to feel knots on you. If there's any way for you to break away and go get a massage, I'll tell you, and you have to find the time to do it. But again, you have to look at it like, really what's going to happen if I don't answer my phone for the next half an hour? What's the worst that can happen if I was not available for one hour? For one hour, what's the worst? I think that's a little bit interesting because I can have that feeling sometimes like, oh, this is really urgent. I have to do it right now. And there's so much I have to do and feeling overwhelmed. And then I've had times where something has happened where I couldn't work for some time. Like maybe I've gotten really sick or, you know, something's come up and nothing happens. Like, I mean, nothing bad happens. Nothing happens. Exactly. If you've set your business up in a sensible way, you'll still get your inquiries in. You'll still book things. You'll still be able to get the work done in time. But it's so interesting to see that when you just stop working, everything's fine. Again, it's a mindset thing. It's a mindset thing where you think you have to be present all day, all the time. And you don't. You don't have to. I am very strict on my hours. Then when I say on my hours, I work weird hours. We all do. We're in an industry where that's almost required. But that's also a bonus. I think it's a benefit that we can work whenever we want for the most part. I know. I love it. It's like one of my favorite things. I know. But on my email signature line, it says my Business response hours are 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Nobody works 10 to 4. That's a bunch of BS, you know? But that's what it says. And that's what my clients know as the times that I'm at my desk and that I'm opening emails or sending emails. Although I'm actually working outside of those hours, they don't know it. They can only expect that I am receiving and responding from 10 to 4, Monday through Thursday even though I'm work, not, those are not the hours that I'm working. But when something does come up, I would say if I was to ever go through burnout again, which I don't think I ever will, I can really don't because I have figured it out. And that calendaring made all the difference in setting the boundaries. Once I got all that figured out, and it's been two years of phenomenal now, and I don't see it happening again. When things do come up, just like you said, that are emergency situations, if you're proactive about it, okay, let's say you get sick, you have the flu. You're going to turn your auto office on and you're just going to say, I have the flu, unfortunately. This was unexpected. I'll be away from my desk for the next three days. We are not surgeons. We're not doctors. We don't resurrect houses. We work in weddings. No one is literally going to lose their life because they didn't get your pictures, guys. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. That is not going to happen. So I am saying right now, I'm giving everyone listening permission. When you have to be away, you have to be away. Turn it off. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Could someone be disappointed? Yes, they can be disappointed. Oh, well. And you can apologize for that later, but your mental health has to come above it. Your physical health has to come above it. Emergency is going to happen. Your kid got sick at school. You have to go pick him up. 
thought you were going to be able to send a proposal out and that be a little bit of time. You can voice text to anyone real quickly and say, hey, I just want to let you know, I promised you, and I did this yesterday, just yesterday. I promised someone a proposal by yesterday morning, seven o'clock that night, I realized I hadn't done it. I sent her an email, said, you know what? I apologize to you. Things got out of control today and I am late. I apologize. I'm going to make sure I get this to you tomorrow. I hope you understand. She sent me a message back. No problem. Because I reached out to her before she sent me an email. Again, it was just about being proactive. I screwed up. It was me. I was answering emails and I shouldn't have been answering it. <laughs> and you know how that is. Don't go in your inbox when you shouldn't be going in your inbox. Stick to your to-do list. Don't go in your inbox unless it's to actually reply. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all do that. And that's another thing that I found kind of putting a schedule in for the parts of my day that are going to like move the needle and like just be in my business. So I'm one of those people, I'm not going to say don't keep your phone next to your bed because that would be a lie to say that I don't do that. I love to like wake up and scroll every once in a while. The first thing I do in the morning, I turn my news on or the Today Show or something like that, but I triage my email. I go in there and I get rid of all the junk and I look at it and just so I know what I'm going to be going into when I go actually go into my office at 10 o'clock, but I wake up at like six. So I'll sit there for like 15 minutes and just clear it out a little bit, move things around so I know what I have coming up for the day. And then I feel good because I'm like, okay, I know what I'm set for the next day. But then I do not go in my outfit till 10 o'clock. But that helps me. Like I feel relief in that moment. And sometimes you just have to give yourself a little personal relief, you know, but I'm not responding to emails. I'm literally just triaging, just cleaning it up so I can walk into my office and feel good about what's there. I look at my calendars to see what I've got in the calendar for the day. And then I go make my coffee and take my dogs out and clean up the house a little bit and watch TV for an hour or two, call my best friend. Hey, what's going on? And then I go in my office and I do my work. I think that's a good way of doing it. Emailing is one of my least favorite things because I feel like the more you do it, the more work you're kind of adding on because for every reply you send out, you're going to get one back and then it just keeps going. So I try not to do that like first thing because then I'm just giving myself more work for the rest of the day. And one of my favorite things about working for myself and kind of doing whatever I want to is that thing we just talked about, being able to just work whenever you want to. And I'm not a morning person. I like to just work when I want to. So that can sometimes be quite late. But my favorite feature in my email is that I can set like an, uh, a delayed send. Oh, yeah. So that if I write the email, I'll make sure to send it the next morning. So no one needs to know that I didn't send it in the evening. I sent it early in the morning when I was still sleeping, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I use Boomerang for Gmail. So that's wonderful. So it actually just got integrated into Gmail now. Oh yeah. Do you use something different? No, it's integrated. Like now it's a feature inside of Gmail. So now I don't use Boomerang anymore either. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Look at me. You're teaching me something too. I did not know that. Yeah. I've been using Boomerang forever so I could like send later and the remind me feature. Oh my gosh. And I will do that when I'm triaging my emails in the morning is that I'll use that little remind me and put a little note because, you know, you can attach a little note to it and say, okay, send a proposal with this and don't forget to call Amy about this on that. So when it comes back, oh, okay, this is what it was for. And I don't know. I think most of why I do that in the morning is just so I have peace of mind. Same. Yeah. Knowing what I'm walking into for the day and I just find it helpful. But 
I think calendaring and a lot of things take time to figure out. You have to fine tune this. So don't feel like you have to make all of these changes at once. It is about figuring it out for yourself. And it is steps that you take. Setting your boundaries and those things, those are action items you can do today. You can put this on your signature line today. A lot of people use wise stamp, whatever you have on your signature line. Put those dates in. Just for now, just do three months worth. Just do it. And go into your onboarding documents, your welcome guides, and just, you know, say, these are our office response hours. Or, you know, just little changes like that are momentary. You can sit after this podcast, take 20 minutes and do little things like this. You're going to find yourself being so relieved all of a sudden with like a huge smile on your face. When I think about, I have five days coming up. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But again, just like I said before, so productive because I know I've got those five days where I'm not going to be doing work. So everything that's a deadline has to be before that. Oh, one other thing that I do do is that we've gotten really good about scheduling calls, proactive calls with our clients. And I know most photographers are really good about this because you have to have your calls to do like do your photo timelines with your clients and things like that. But if you are going to do your, your days without intention, you want to email. What I do is I email all of our clients before, like a week before we go to take those five days off and say, Hey, just a reminder, we're going to be away from our desk for these five days. If you would like a call with us anytime soon, then please schedule it for between these dates and these dates. So they know, even though it's on your signature line, it's coming up. It's just one more mental reminder for them. And they're going to be so respectful for it of you and your time when you just take those extra moments. And it also allows you to put into play, well, I'm not a photographer. Do most of your clients, do they call for more than just like setting up your photo timelines? Do you get other calls throughout their planning? Uh, No, I actually set up all the meetings. I decide... I don't think they expect it, but I want to have multiple meetings and then it's up to me to send out the scheduler. And then I'll just send a scheduler that has my available times. So they only get to see when they can book. And then they don't ever have to worry about me not being around because they just have to think about when I'm there. Yeah. So you don't find yourself or do do you find that most of your listeners as well, that they get calls or emails out of those times that you don't have things scheduled or they do? No, I don't. Maybe emails, but I think that emails are something that people are probably needing to learn to reply to when it's suitable for them and not for the client. But calling, I don't know if that's that common. I don't think I even give out my phone number. Oh, really? Yeah, don't think so. That's great. I wish I had that luxury. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy the phone calls I have with my clients, but we do, for the most part, have them scheduled. But yeah, we give them an email heads up. We're heading out. And so anything that's going to come up, please schedule it. And usually I'll do it so it's scheduled for afterwards. You know, because mine's five days and not just three, I just find it's a little bit more significant of a time where something could come up, especially for weddings that are like going to be in the next couple of weeks where they're getting anxious or things have changed. Yeah. I think it's different when you're kind of the one planning out the whole event and you're responsible for everything and you get all their nervous, I don't know, feelings and thoughts about every little thing. Yeah. Sure. And that's always asking as a photographer, like when it gets close to someone's wedding, do they start calling for like, 
oh, we, you know, we did change this and now we're going to get ready here. I sometimes wish that that happened. I don't really do weddings anymore. I just do elopements. But when I used to do weddings, I always had to be the one to have to set up the final meeting and to get all their changes. Because if I didn't ask them all these questions about everything again, even after asking it before, they wouldn't tell me about the changes. So I always feel like it's my responsibility to drag it out of them. That's really good that you're being proactive that you're asking about because they won't come to you and let you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you don't, then you have no idea what's going on. And that's not a good situation to be in. No, no, not for anybody. (laughs) So what would you suggest to the listener to do right now if they want to start taking better care of themselves to avoid burnout happening? I would say absolutely the most important things. I think equally figuring out what you can take off of your plate. And I realized that some of those things are going to be a luxury in the beginning. Like, you know, not everyone can afford to take on a VA, but that was the biggest thing that I made in the beginning was getting a VA to help with the things that really I didn't need to be investing my time in. And that did allow me to make more money because I was more productive and better at my job. The second thing is the calendaring. And I cannot say, I really cannot say enough about that. I will say it till I'm blue in the face to every wedding vendor, no matter what segment of the industry that you're in, finding that time for yourself to allow you to, your brain to reset and for your body to refresh is going to excel you in more ways than you could possibly imagine. You need that rest. You need it every single month. And so just like I said, just get a dry erase calendar out. They make them like an 11 by 17 size now. They used to, you know, they used to have to use this big, huge ones that took up your whole kitchen counter and just mark those days off. Like it's such a simple thing to do because your whole year is planned. You know, you've got your weddings booked or your elopements booked. So you see where those days off are available to you. It is important when you do this though, I just want to give everyone a tip to get a full year calendar. Because if you were just to look at one month and then flip a page and do another month, what you might not realize is that you took these five days and you weren't looking at the month next to it and realize, oh, there's a wedding right there. I can't take those five days right then. So it's important to have the whole year in front of you when you do it. So I can give you a link to like a good one off of Staples or Office Max or wherever that most people can get one from. By far the easiest and best thing that you could do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. A good calendar is a must. I love planning myself. So I completely agree with that. So like I said, just those two things, see what you can offload from yourself and take those one step at a time, one thing at a time, get rid of, and then the calendaring. Do those two things. And it's a very high possibility that you'll be able to avoid burnout. And, you know, I'm glad that you asked about what do you do when you're in the midst of it? As much as I would love to say, oh, you just do this. It's just little things that are going to help you when you're in it, but you have to work through it, unfortunately. But taking the showers, going for the walks, you know, big deep breaths, meditation. Remember what we said, no one's going to die in five minutes because they didn't have their pictures. No one's going to die in one hour because they didn't or because they're waiting for your proposal. Thank you so much, Kelly. This has been such a good talk and and so important. I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are going to appreciate this. Oh, I'm glad. I hope so. If it means that one less person in our industry is going to go through burnout. And I hope that everyone listening really, even if they haven't come close to know that if you talk to people who've been in this industry for many years, 
they have all been through it at one time or another. Not everyone's willing to talk about it. I went through it twice before I did something about it. I don't want anyone to ever feel this way, like to ever. And it is completely possible to avoid it. Take steps, doing it now and listening to what we're talking about right now. It can help you to avoid that at all costs. Doesn't make mean that your whole job is going to be easy. Like, <laughs> so I'm not saying you're never going to have stressful days and stressful moments, but complete burnout is the most horribly elevated experience of overwhelm that you will ever feel and can bring on panic attacks and all kinds of things. So whatever you can do now to avoid that coming is going to be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I hope no one experiences it. So I hope this will help. Yeah, absolutely. Where can the listener go to keep learning from you and getting to know you better? Okay, so on Instagram, the one that I use for wedding planning for clients and more personal is Kelly A. McWilliams. If you want to follow me more as a pro and speaking engagements and things like that, it's Kelly A. McWilliams Pro. And then I have a podcast, but it's for couples. But I will tell you this. If you listen to it, you're going to learn a lot of things about weddings in general, just because our, my podcast is called This Versus That. And in it, every episode, we're helping a client decide to do it one way or the other. So for example, for you guys, one of our very first episodes was whether or not to do a first look. And so I had a, a photographers on, Hunter Ryan Photography, and we talked through the pros and the cons of having a first look. So I can tell my clients or anyone listening or that I'm speaking to, hey, go listen to this episode on a first look. You're going to get my perspective. You're going to get a photographer's perspective. And we're going to tell you all the good, bad, and the ugly about the decision. So I think it's totally for clients. It's for couples getting married, but you can take something away from it as well. And if you have a topic that you'd like to be on, you'd like to toss at me for the podcast, by all means, reach out to me for that too, because we have a co-host on every episode. Oh, nice. Yeah. Perfect. It was so great to talk to you today. And I'm so glad that you came to me because it really is such an important subject that I don't think is tackled enough. And hopefully everyone was able to take something away from this that they can implement. Oh, I'm so sure about that. Thank you so much, Kelly. You're welcome. You just listened to an episode of Sustainable Photography. Please share this episode with a photographer you care about. 